it is week four, and it is time for your super flex standard operating procedures. Along with me, as always, is Brian Har at Brian Har FF. Brian, how did uh, how did week three go for you? Week three was interesting. Uh, I I I I kind of uh, needed to use my own counseling skills on myself uh, in week three with the Steelers losing yet again uh, and my boy Saquon Barkley going down to injury. Uh, so it was not the greatest week for me personally, uh, but fantasy wise, not too too bad. Um, yeah, you. You just reminded me of something, by the way. So we we've got our list of uh, of standard operating procedures for this week. We've got some ads and drops so that we can help people prioritize waiver claims. Uh, we can help come up with some guys who you might be able to cut to make some roster space for those incoming free agents. Uh, we've got some some players that are largely owned, uh, but that you can buy low on, and and some guys that you can also sell high on. Um, and then, of course, we'll have next week, this week, uh, with some waiver claims to make now uh, before they uh, before their price shoots through the roof next week. Uh, but uh, I, you you just reminded me of a guy that I wanted to talk about in our buy section. Um, so I'm just going to tease it a little bit here. We're going to talk about Mason Rudolph as a buy candidate. I don't know if that helps you at all. If that makes you feel any better. Uh, it, it does slightly. I'll be interested to, uh, to hear your thoughts on that. Um, I have some of my own as well. So yeah, that, that, uh, I'll, I'll be very interested to hear what you have to say on that one. Nice. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll, we'll get to that one for sure. Um, and a few other by candidates, uh, real quick though, before we get into the SOPs, um, uh, just want to remind you if you haven't already sub- to subscribe to not only the super flex super show podcast, and get our uh, five episodes per week, including the SOPs, including that live mailbag show uh, where we're answering listener questions and analyzing listener trades. Not only the start sits, we still have our normal episode every week. But if you would also subscribe to the DLF family of podcast mega feed and get access to all of the great podcasts from DLF, including the Commission Impossible podcast, where legendary league commissioners Ryan McDowell and Scott Fish explore the ins and outs of running fantasy leagues. They share their vast experiences, discuss innovative leagues, league ideas and formats, and help elevate the game to a whole new level. Those guys between them have probably commissioned like four digits. Like the, the number of leagues that they've commissioned probably has at least one comma in it, I would assume, by now. So you're getting a ton of commissioner experience from those guys. So check out the commission impossible podcast. Uh, besides their own feed, they're available on the DLF family Omega feed along with the Superflex super show. So Brian, let's uh, let's, before we get to the SOPs, let's talk a little bit. So I feel like at this point in the season, you know, we're, we're starting to see some trends. We're starting to, to piece together some takeaways from each week. I think we can start to kind of understand the way the rest of this season is going to go um, based on some of the trends that we're seeing so far. And so I think from now on, I think we're going to start throwing some of those in each week. Uh, let's talk about some of, the, some of the trends that we're identifying here early in the, the 2019 season. 
and uh, I'll let you go first here. Yeah. So one of the trends that uh, I'm I'm definitely seeing, and we were talking a little bit before the show, um, and and you know it it's the Minnesota Vikings. Um, these guys aren't throwing the football. Period. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, pretty much. You know, unless they're getting way behind in games, they're not throwing the football. I think they've averaged 21 passes a game so far um, in the first three games. Which you know, I mean, we're we're talking about a an offense that has two you know, borderline elite receivers in uh, Thielen and Diggs. But I don't really know that the 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 passing offense here is going to support either of those guys as a wide receiver one this season. Um, it's just kind of crazy to me. You know, they, they attempted a ton of passes last year. Um, I think 606 passes last year, which is an insane amount. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I just... I, I know they're very confident in Dalvin Cook, obviously in the running game, and it's served them well in the in their two wins this year. Um, he's been well over 100 yards, scored um, touchdowns, you know, so so it's working well. Um, but from a fantasy perspective, it's definitely concerning that this passing offense really isn't isn't clicking very very much here, and and they're not throwing the football. So I think that's definitely a trend to watch here, um, and. I'm a little bit concerned about those those passing game weapons, you know, Cousins and then the two receivers we talked about, um, you know, I mean, I'm I'm a little bit concerned and I'm a big promote proponent on both of those guys. I mean, I love Thielen and Diggs. Um, Stephon Diggs is probably one of my most most rostered players uh, in in Dynasty League. So, you know, I I, I love the guy, I, but I'm I'm starting to get kind of worried here uh, about the, this passing game. Yeah, man, they, I, I, we, we had a little bit of a conversation, uh, James and I actually, um, we were talking with a, a few of our, of the super friends in our, uh, super flex, uh, super flex, super show vampire league. And, uh, we were kind of talking about Alexander Madison, who we're also going to get to later, by the way, um, and kind of throwing out some theories a little bit. I mean, because Part of why this is working, obviously, is Dalvin Cook. The guy's amazing. He's unreal. Um, he he does have a little bit of an injury history. I think that James blows that way out of proportion. Um, I I do not think that Dalvin Cook is is injury prone. Um, but I mean that you know he has dealt with injuries before, and we've seen what this offense looks like without him. Although that was the Kevin Stefanski. Uh, you know, John Filippo offense, as opposed to, you know, this, this Gary Kubiak, uh, Kevin Stefanski offense. Um, but it, just with how good Dalvin Cook is, if he were to go down and, and to me beyond the, you know, the fact that he has dealt with injuries in the past, the bigger point is that he's a running back who's carrying the ball a lot <laughs> that that can that's where it starts to wear a, a player down. But, um, you know, and then we saw Alexander Madison come into the game this weekend against the Raiders and look, I mean, almost as good. So I, I you know, even if Dalvin Cook were to go out, I don't know that the philosophy is necessarily going to change. I think they might just, you know, just just 
move on to Alexander Madison and run him into the ground too. Uh, I, I mean, I, it feels like the split would have to even out a little bit in that case, but I'm, I, I, I guess I'm just not totally convinced that it would. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. Um, and, and I know we're going to talk about him again later. So, so I'll leave the, the Madison stuff, uh, alone, but it's, it's just crazy the way that this offense has been. So, so one thing I do want to say though, and, and I'll support James here for half a second. Um, you don't have to. <laughs> so, so I do not. So my gripe with Dalvin Cook has hasn't been the talent because when he's been on the field in the in the National Football League, he's produced and he's looked really good doing so. My biggest thing is is I mean he so I wouldn't necessarily label him injury prone per se. Okay, thank you. At the at the same time though, I would say that he hasn't been very available. How's that? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's fair to say, but only, um, only 40% of games, he's only been available in 40% of his NFL career games prior to this season. Obviously this season right. he's played in all three and he's looked amazing in the three games. I'm hundred percent with you there. Um, and, and, and again, my, my biggest issue with cook has been his unavailability. Now, mm-hmm. If he can, if he can stay healthy here and continue to produce the way he's producing, I mean, we're going to be talking about him like we're talking about all of these other guys up in that, you know, in that first round range of of drafts, um, you know, or or value wise. So, you know, I I just I for me, I was I was with James this off season with Dalvin Cook because the fact was that he wasn't available for over 60% of the games that he, you know, was eligible to play in the National Football League. And that is concerning. There's no doubt about it. I mean, sometimes the best ability is availability, and he hasn't been available. <laughs> he, ha- he hasn't been available, okay? Yeah. Having, but again, I, I'm with you. He's looked amazing, and, and Minnesota has obviously put focus on running the football, and it's affecting the passing game. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I, all, all I'm going to say is if Dalvin cook had torn his ACL in week 15 of his rookie season, as opposed to week, what, two or three. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the, the, the conversation would be, you know, completely different. Um, these concerns would not exist. So, you know, because we're still talking about one injury event and, um, you know, your, your, your partner at trade addicts dynasty outhouse was the one who really kind of turned me on to the, the concept of the, you know, that compensatory injury coming off of the ACL. And we're seeing it again with Darius Geis and Jarek McKinnon, both of those guys, I, I mean, tried to come back from the ACL injury and it's right back to IR for both of them. Um, so, you know, the fact that Dalvin cook made it onto the field at all, in 2018 uh coming off of that acl injury from his rookie year i mean i i think that that says more about his durability than any of the games that he missed but um i i know that james would argue that point and i'm sure he's yelling at me right now through through his (laughs) through his earbuds absolutely no doubt about that (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah so but anyways uh we've we've got other guys to uh to talk about that'll 
um, get him a little bit fired up as well. So we can move on here. Uh, and uh, here's another trend. It, the, so the tight end position, and I'm trying to figure out what kind of, of platitudes I want to use here talking about that position. Um, because I, I mean, all of a sudden it's deep, it's deep and it, you know, it's deep at the top end. All of a sudden we're talking, I mean, Travis Kelsey to me is in a tier by himself at this point. Um, we've seen Zach Ertz get a fair amount of, of volume, but we also, you know, this past weekend it was, you know, it was without Alshon Jeffrey. It was without Dallas Goder. Uh, we haven't seen a whole lot from George Kittle just yet, but we still, we know, you know, what the ceiling looks like and it, and it's immense. Um, so I think that he still belongs in that second tier with Zach Ertz. But now we're seeing Mark Andrews. We're seeing Darren Waller. We're seeing, you know, Evan Ingram. Uh, Austin Hooper just had a two-touchdown game. Will Disley, a guy that I was talking about all <laughs> offseason, and I don't want to, to put him too high in my rankings just yet, but at the same time, Big Montana is scoring touchdowns almost at will. And they, that's a, you know, they're, Brian Schottenheimer is actually willing to, to get the, to let Russell Wilson throw the ball to Tyler Lockett and Will Disley and DK Metcalf. But uh, Will Disley is, is turning out to be a, a big part of that offense. It's, again, I don't want to go too far with my hyperbole here, but it's starting to feel like the tight end position is, really kind of replacing the wide receiver position in terms of productivity and maybe even in, in terms of importance. These guys last just as long. I mean, they're they're a little bit more prone to injury than wide receivers are, but uh, they still have the same type of career trajectory, career arc that wide receivers do. And all of a sudden, these guys are so much more dependable than the wide receivers that we were taking in the first round. You know, the, the, uh, we were talking a little bit about this off air, but you know, Devonte Adams has been pretty disappointing to start the season. Uh, Stefan Diggs, Kenny Galladay, uh, Michael Thomas just barely saved his week with a late touchdown. And I think it was only for like a yard. Um, you know, so many of these guys have been so disappointing. And meanwhile, you're just like getting bankable pro production from the tight ends that it almost it, it's starting to feel like you can it, the way you used to punt the tight end position. It feels like you can kind of punt the wide receiver position and you're going to find guys who can produce for you. And then and then let the but let the tight ends be, you know, your your big weapon. Uh, in your starting lineup. Yeah, there are going to be so many people that are triggered by that. I know. It's. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, <laughs> people are probably listening to that right now. Like, oh, like they can't even, <laughs> they can't even handle it. Um, you know, know what though? To be honest with you, I mean, I, 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 it's hard to argue. I mean, it's hard to argue against what you just said. I mean, the, 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 these tight ends are producing and some of the receivers that we've gotten used to counting on, aren't and yeah. their situations are very different too. you know declining quarterbacks or backup quarterbacks or you know i mean offenses that aren't throwing the freaking football we just <laughs> talked about it right so i mean 
it, it is kind of crazy to say, but when you look at it, it kind of is happening. It's crazy. It's, it's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, and I know that people are going to be resistant to this. It's funny because fantasy football ends up being such a purist thing. It's so hard to get people. It, there was, and, and, you know, we've talked about this with Superflex, but there, there was a time where, you know, the, the idea of, uh, you know, of PPR kind of scared people off. They were like, yeah, that's, that's, there's too, too many moving parts. If you're going to start giving guys points for, you know, every time they catch the ball and then, yeah, the Superflex position comes along and, and people think it looks funny and, um, they don't like the way the quarterbacks all of a sudden are are so highly valued because, you know, they they miss the days when they were able to just wait until the 12th round to take their quarterback and then, you know, just get a guy that you can just throw away after one week and, and just stream the position. They they miss that. They miss the security of this strategy that's been so carefully cultivated. But I'm going to tell you where fantasy football championships are won is with the the evolving strategy. And to me, this is where we're at with fantasy football strategy right now. If you trot out a lineup full of, you know, with with, you know, besides your tight end, you fill fill all the flex positions with those, you know, especially with those tight ends and you could have got them so cheap and so late and you still can get some of these guys off of waivers by the way but i mean if you if you threw out a lineup that had darren waller mark andrews and travis kelsey i mean i don't i don't know of a this and this is in straight ppr by the way i still don't know of a wide receiver combo that that matches up with that I don't know of a three wide receiver combo that I would feel better about than that group of, of three tight ends right at the moment. So I, I, I I just think that it's important for people to at least consider that. I know it's going to be triggering, but, but (laughs) the, again, we're trying to identify some trends here so that where we can kind of start to start to, you know, evolve our process along the way. And, you know, if you if you started off, you know, three and oh, then we can kind of keep you on track by evolving and, and um, you know, going with the 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 flow, so to speak, of of this 2019 season. And if you started off oh and three, I mean, this, I think this is how you get right back in it. So uh, I, I I think that this is going to be an important segment. And I think that it starts with the idea that, you know, you might consider trading away some of those risky wide receivers and bringing in some of the, you know, the the safe, high upside tight ends that are available to you right now. Take advantage of the fact that that's where we're at in 2019. So let's get to, to our standard operating procedures with all that said, though. Um, and we uh, <laughs> we always do that. I keep I keep saying before we start recording how much faster we're going to go this episode. And then we find a tangent to go off on <laughs> to start the episode. But I, I kind of think that our ads this week are, are going to go a little bit faster than usual. We don't have that one big money prize 
this week. Last week, it was Mason Rudolph, and our suggestion was go all in, you know, uh, particularly in a dynasty league. But either way, I mean, you know that you're getting a starting quarterback on a good offense for the entire season. So, but this week, we really don't have that. So I think we can kind of, um, we'll be able to, to, to get through this, I think a little bit faster, just because this is, it's a big basket of guys who are all pretty similar value. So in fact, I'm going to read off some names for you, Brian, and then, uh, we can start to put these in order of waiver priorities and, you know, kind of figure out some, some fab values on each of them. But I'm curious of the guys that we've got on the list here. I better add one more real quick before before I read them off to you. But um, I'm I'm curious who is going to be your top priority uh, for waiver claims this week. So let me read off the list to you. We've got Philip Dorsett, Darrell, Darrell Williams, Wayne Gallman, Ronald Jones, Preston Williams, CJ Procise, Will Disley, Deontay Johnson, Jamal Williams, and Taylor Gabriel, who, by the way, you know, we're recording this on Monday night. He did score three touchdowns. He was also concussed. Uh, so I, I I think that even if you were willing to to buy into the touchdowns and buy into the volume, uh, I think that he gets pushed back a little bit just because we're not totally sure what his availability is going to be like for the next week or two. So yeah, what, which, uh, who's, who's your top priority, um, on that list? I think my top priority here is probably Deontay Johnson, uh, of the Steelers. Um, I kind of liked what I saw on Sunday with him in the Niners game. Um, he, he caught the touchdown. It was a 30 some yard touchdown, uh, catch from Mason Rudolph where he was very open. Um, I didn't see whether it was because of his route running or whether he just blew past the the corner or whatever. But I mean, he was he was seven yards open, so it might have been a, a more of a blown coverage type thing. I'm not really sure. Um, but I, I just like the way he looked. You know, he looks explosive. He's crisp out of his routes. Um, I, I just think I would probably put him at the top of this list, especially moving forward here. He's going to start the rest of this season for the Steelers. Um, Dante Moncrief is not getting back on the field. So I, I would I would put him at the top of this list, I think, for me personally. Um, and then it gets messy. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I think I think Will Disley is is probably up there close to the top as well, maybe, maybe second. Um, for me, you know, just the conversation that we just had about the tight ends, um, and, and how valuable they seem to be. Russell Wilson is targeting him, uh, especially in the red zone, you know, so I, I think I would put him up there. Um, Preston Williams is going to be one for me as well. Um, and, and I know that sounds kind of crazy, um, with, with the, uh, dolphins and how terrible they've been, but um Josh Rosen loves Preston Williams. Yes, he 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 was targeted 12 times in this game. Um mm-hmm. only four catches uh for 68 yards, but he, you know, he he's been targeted a lot 
this season. Uh, and I think, you know, that chemistry, uh, if he develops that with Josh Rosen, I think he's going to be a guy that, you know, it's, it, I say especially in dynasty leagues, but also in, in um, you know, seasonal leagues, I think he will, he could pay dividends later in the season. Um, he, he, he's a guy that, you know, I, I, I think, you know, he, he's entrenched in the starting role and he is, you know, Rosen seemed to really target him. So I, I would probably uh, put him next. Um, and then after that, you got a bunch of these running backs. Um, oh, Philip Dorsett is a guy too. I, I think that is, is a decent ad right now. Um, you know, Antonio Brown being gone. Um, Julian Edelman was banged up. I think he's going to be okay. Uh, I, I think I read that, that he's going to be all right. But, um, you know, Dorsett has, I think he's got three touchdowns in three games here. He had two, he had a big week one against the Steelers. He got two long touchdowns um, and then uh, added another one here. Um, so he's got three in, in three weeks. Um, and I think he's going to be a guy that gets opportunity uh, in that offense. And of course, you know, with Tom Brady throwing the football, that's uh, a good offense to have some pieces of. Um, and and then, like I said, the running backs. Um, so Proslice, uh, Ronald Jones, Wayne Gallman, Daryl Williams, Jamal Williams. Um, these are all guys that um, because of injury, uh, Ronald Jones isn't, I don't think it's in that case. Did Peyton Barber get hurt? I don't think, right? I don't believe so. Yeah. So, so Jones is not an injury um, ad, but these other guys, you know, they're going to get increased workloads because of injuries to, to some other guys that are in front of them on the depth chart um, potentially. So I, I think, you know, they're all, they're all kind of lumped together. I, I don't know. I don't know if I have any really strong feelings on, on, any of those guys over the other, I think they all present an opportunity here. I would probably put Daryl Williams. Well, I put Ronald Jones at the top of the whole running back list there because I think he's got a chance to potentially grab the starting role in Tampa Bay and, and kind of move. He looked better this week. Finally. Um, I think 14 carries for 80 yards. So, uh, you know, he, he, he did look better against the giants. Um, now not the greatest defense in the league, but, um, he, he did look better. And then also Daryl Williams, I think I'd, I'd put right behind him um, just because the Chiefs offense, I want as many pieces of that offense as I can possibly get. Um, they look just ridiculous again this year. Uh, and then the other guys, Gallman, um, Williams, Jamal Williams, Procise, um, you know, those guys all have an opportunity because of injury um, to produce. So, you know, I think they're worth, they're worth ads for sure. Yeah. So Jamal Williams, that was the one that I had to add at the last minute. Um, and it's, uh, it's because, you know, James brain came up and, and he's, he even talked about on the start sit show last week, you know, kind of the rumblings within the Packers organization, um, and the distrust that they have towards Aaron Jones, even though you and I both have known for a long time now, that Aaron Jones is a far superior running back. Right. Uh, we were, you know, we were among the the leaders on, on that hype train. Um, but you know, the Jamal Williams is still getting, he's, he's getting just as many, if not more snaps, 
Um, Aaron Jones ended up with the goal line work, which was to me kind of backwards, but we'll take it because Aaron Jones ended up with two touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Um, Jamal Williams looks so slow to me, but you know, the fact that he's on this, this supposedly high powered offense, um, definitely a run first offense and they're getting in more and more carries. I think that he's probably going to end up being a lot of people's top waiver claim. And I'm just here to say that I, I, I think, you know, for, for you, our, our super friends and our lovely listeners, I think you should sit back and let somebody else overpay to get Jamal Williams off of waivers, assuming yeah. he's available in, in your league. Uh, I, I, again, I watch Jamal Williams and I see a guy who looks like he's running in quicksand. He's so slow. He's so concrete footed. And I, I, the, what James is saying, I, I, I understand that, you know, there are sources there. I understand that there's some merit from it. I still don't totally understand why, you know, if they don't trust Aaron Jones, why is Aaron Jones still on that roster four years later? Right. If they're worried about a suspension, and by the way, Aaron Jones served a suspension at the beginning of the 2018 season and nothing since then. Like no no news cycles that would even raise any red flags. So, you know, is that the concern is that he's going to get suspended sometime. And so in the meantime, we're going to get Jamal Williams some work. It, it, it doesn't add up to me. Uh, I, I think that maybe there was more, you know, more game script to this. And uh, I I don't think that there's any reason to believe that Jamal Williams is going to continue to get a, you know, a substantial workload week in and week out. So, um, I you know, go ahead and put, you know, 5% on Jamal Williams. Uh, maybe even go up to 10% if you're the Aaron Jones owner and you can go more like 15 to 20% in the best ball league, especially if you're the Aaron Jones owner, but beyond, I, I, I can't envision a scenario where I actually win Jamal Williams for what I'm willing to pay for him. Uh, for me, the top guy is going to be Wayne Gallman. We've, we just heard the news that. If it's a high ankle sprain for Saquon Barkley. We're going to talk more with Ethan Turner about that as the week progresses. Uh, but the prognosis sounds like four to eight weeks and you typically plan on, you know, the, the longer piece of that. So we're probably looking at eight weeks for uh, Saquon Barkley. The bye week is in week 11. So we might not see him until week 12. Uh, Wayne Gallman is kind of the, the feature back in the meantime. And on an offense that is suddenly pretty explosive with Daniel Jones at quarterback. So um, I, I think that I'm willing to go somewhere in the neighborhood of 25% for Wayne Gallman, um, just because I think that he brings, you know, running back to upside for, again, you know, we're, we're probably looking at about eight weeks. Uh, I, I, beyond that, I agree with you. Um, with uh, as far as the wide receivers and Will Disley kind of being the the top priorities for me, I think Will Disley is probably second for me as well, and I'm thinking probably in the neighborhood of twenty percent for him. Um, I might even go as high as twenty five percent if uh, 
you know, if I'm still trying to grind it out with guys like Eric Ebron as my starting uh, tight end or, you know, even worse, um, guys like Jordan Reed and, and Jimmy Graham. Um, and the rest of these guys, I'm, you know, probably 15% for Deontay Johnson, Preston Williams, Philip Dorsett, and uh, Darrell Williams as well. Um, I think everybody else, I'm, I'm probably in the neighborhood of 10% uh, would be kind of my max bid on guys like Ronald Jones, CJ Procise, um, uh, and, and Taylor Gabriel as well. I think, uh, I think I, I, I'm not going to chase those three touchdowns, especially with the concussion. So um, yeah, I'll, I'll go, I'll go 5% on Taylor Gabriel. Um, uh, but I think that's as high as I'll go. Uh, what do you think as far as some percentages on these guys? Yeah, I, I agree with the percentages for the most part. I mean, I might, you know, I, again, I said Johnson as, as my first, I might go, you know, in the 25% range there, 30, maybe, uh, mm-hmm. depending on what my situation is at wide receiver, um, and then I'm, I'm, I'm pretty similar with the other ones. I think, you know, um, probably around 20% for Disley and then, you know, from there kind of trickling down, uh, the running backs for me, I probably wouldn't go much more than 10 or 15% and I'd have to probably be pretty dire straits, uh, for a couple of them. I, 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 I CJ Procise for me is, um, is 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 kind of done too like i just he's not a guy that i i was i was big on him early but i just have been waiting too long almost you know what i mean so yeah um so i think um you know but but like you said i mean 10 percent. i think for most of those guys is probably pretty pretty right yeah yeah i that essentially that probably gets you a week or two uh, from from these guys and for me a lot of these guys that's really kind of all you're looking for uh Darrell Williams so uh, you know we're we're going to talk more with Ethan um about the the Kansas City running back situation but what we do know is Damian Williams missed the game uh with his leg injury not sure uh, hamstring I believe uh anyways uh, he there's a good chance he misses another game LaShawn McCoy tried to go uh, even with the ankle injury and re-injured it and left the game. So I think that now with LaShawn McCoy, the deal is you probably want to keep him out for at least a game. Darrell Williams ended up being the feature back once McCoy went down. And uh, so I think that, you know, as long as both of those guys are out, Darrell Williams is going to have pretty significant value, but it's probably only for one week, um, two at the very most. So if I can get that type of production for 10% of my budget for one week, I, I, I'll do that. But I don't think I'm going to go much higher for a one-week rental. Before we get to the drops, I want to tell you about the FF Mercenaries. A goal without a plan is just a wish. So stop wishing and start planning for your fantasy championship with the FF Mercenaries. The fantasy football mercenaries love it when, you, when a plan comes together. And this A-team of fantasy football minds is here to help you map out your path to fantasy glory. Whether you're looking for draft strategy during and throughout your draft, 
dynasty roster consultations, in-season support, alternate scoring navigation, or DFS expertise are here to help you develop and execute the strategy that will help you destroy your league. So sign up now for your one-on-one consultation with a strategic specialist for your unique and specific needs. Visit ffmercs.com and use the promo code SUPERFLEXSHOW for 10% off your first consultation. That's promo code SUPERFLEXSHOW at ffmercs.com, where winning is the only option. Brian, let's talk about some drops. And I've, I, I just want to throw some names at you at some various positions um, and ask you if these are guys that you would consider dropping and under which can what conditions you might make these drops, make these cuts. And let's actually start at the tight end position. We've been talking about how powerful that position has been so far in 2019, but there's some guys who are underperforming. So I'm curious about both Trey Burton and Jimmy Graham. Are either of those guys that you would consider dropping and how how uh, how shallow does your league have to be, does your bench have to be in order for you to consider dropping those guys? Uh, yes, they are both guys I would consider dropping. Um, and to be honest with you, I mean, with Burton, I don't think it matters how short, what I don't think it matters. <laughs> you just, I mean, I'm, you'd, you'd I'm, rather have the roster space. Yeah. I, I don't, I'm Burton isn't a guy that I, I think I'm very confident in moving forward. And, and really Jimmy Graham, I mean, three catches for 30 yards in three games and the last two games, he's caught zero passes. So uh, I, I know Aaron Rodgers, I think, came out today or or it was him and LaFleur. Wow. Um, <laughs> Matt LaFleur. How do you say his name? Did I do that? Yeah, right? That's that's uh, pretty much right. I think. Okay, I'll, t- I'll take it. As long as I'm close. I'm a yinzer, so I, I, I pronounce things wrong all the time. Um, <laughs> anyways, yeah, I mean, they both came out today, I think, and said something about how they needed to get him more involved and all that. And, and you know, typically I listen when Aaron Rodgers says that because usually the week or two after that, that player ends up getting a bump. Um, but I just am not convinced with this one. I mean, Jimmy Graham has been pretty disappointing since he's been in green bay i mean he's caught a few touchdowns here and there but it's not like he's you know really making a huge difference in the offense or anything like that so i you know if if you're if you really need the space or if you have another viable tight end option you know we just talked about will disley who's not owned in a ton of places uh i mean i'd much rather own own him than than jimmy graham at this point so you know, it, it just neither one of these guys, I, I don't think you can really have a lot of confidence in moving forward here in the season. I mean, yeah, if you're, you know, if you're scraping the barrel for a tight end during a bye week or something like that, great. But there's a lot of other options uh, that I'd rather have over these two. How about some here's some wide receivers for you. Stefan Diggs, Corey Davis, Calvin Ridley. JJ Arthega, White Side. Sega. Yeah, I don't care what just, he says. Just Sega. Yeah, it's just Sega. Sega. <laughs> He's Sega. <laughs> Damn it. I hate that. I, I wish he never would have told us that. Now it just absolutely ruins it in my mind. Yeah. Um, so obviously, these guys, this is this is not a dynasty. You're not dropping these guys in dynasty. Right. But in a redraft super flex league, are any of those guys droppable? 
uh, particularly for some of the the wide receivers that we listed above uh, for some ads like Philip Dorsett, Preston Williams, Deontay Johnson. Uh, are, are you dropping any of those guys, Stephon Diggs, Corey Davis, Calvin Ridley, or Thega for any of any of those guys that we listed? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I, I I'm definitely not dropping Calvin Ridley. I mean, I think he's a guy that, you know, he had a bad game in week three, one catch, six yards. But the week before against the Eagles, eight catches, one oh five and a touchdown. Um, I don't think he's going to do that every week either. Uh, but somewhere in between that, you know, week one, it was four for 64 and a touchdown. And I think that's probably, you know, I think he's probably going to catch three, four or five passes for 50 to 70 yards a week so to me that's i mean that's that has some value um so i'm not dropping him i also you know for me i have a mental block with stefan Diggs. i mean i just <laughs> I, I love the guy i i would not drop him uh really in any circumstance uh you know call me stubborn uh if you want to that's okay i understand i mean we talked about the vikings offense and how concerned we are um, I just would have a really hard time dropping him for for some of the guys that we mentioned, um, regardless of of the league or or you know the format of the league. So um, I probably would hold on to him. I think the the easy one here, or the the one that most people will say of the four that you listed, I think is is um, Corey Davis. You know, I mean, just that offense in general. Um, it doesn't do anything to excite me. I know your boy, Marcus Mariota is the quarterback there and I'm not going to trash him. Um, but I, you know, I just, Corey, Corey Davis just hasn't been six catches, 82 yards in three games so far. Um, you know, that offense runs through Derrick Henry, uh, in the running game, uh, you know, and, and, you know, I guess the only thing to hope for with, with that offense, as far as throwing the ball is just, if they get behind, and have to chuck it to try to catch up, but I'm um, he would be the one out of these four that I'd feel, you know, comfortable dropping. I guess in a in a redraft format, uh, like you said, dynasty, you're not dropping any of these guys. I don't think, but uh, he would be the one, uh, you know, in a redraft league that I would probably be dropping. Um, say, I guess JJ Arcega Whiteside, I'd be comfortable dropping too, especially maybe not this week. Like hang on to him for another couple of weeks just because, um, you know some some of the injuries that they've had, um, you know might give him increased opportunity here, uh, in the next week or two. But once those guys start returning, I don't think, I don't think he's really someone you can rely on. Um, so th so those two, I guess Davis and and Sega. Again, I don't care. It's it's Sega till the day I die. Yep. Um, so, but yeah, I think I think those are the two. I think Diggs and Ridley, I'd still probably hang on to, um, and feel most confident starting Ridley weekly right now. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree. Uh, Diggs, Diggs is getting close to that cliff for me. Um, Corey Davis, actually, I think I'd I'd hold on one more week, and here's why. So he started off with. Denzel Ward. Uh, week two was Pierre Desir. Week three, obviously, was Jalen Ramsey. Now he gets a nice matchup with Atlanta, and that. But then it's right back to it. Uh, he's he's got Tre'Davious White with from the Bills. Then he's got Chris Harris with the Broncos, and then he has. Uh, he, he's got a tough matchup. Uh, Casey Hayward with the Chargers. 
Um, so, and, and he's what we're really finding out, I think is that Corey Davis is extremely matchup dependent. So I think that you're going to get a good matchup. I think that you're going to, to get good production from him here in week four. Um, and then you might actually have a sell window. So I might not drop him just yet, but, uh, I, I definitely, in, if he's the end, if he's at the end of my bench, and you know some of the guys that we've been talking about are actually available. Uh, I I wouldn't hesitate to make that move. I I love Corey Davis, but I mean, you you can't just keep waiting on him for this one this one week. Uh, how about some running backs? I've got I I've got two for you, and if you think of any others, definitely throw them in. But uh, for me, the the big ones that come to mind are Latavius Murray. Did absolutely nothing. I think he got two carries, all of two carries. And then Kenyon Drake, who is highly involved in that offense, but the offensive line is just god-awful. The whole offense is pretty bad, but I mean, I I, I don't think that, that the offensive line is going to give him the holes that he needs in order to be fantasy productive. I'm wondering if you would drop either of those guys for some of the running backs that we listed above. Uh, guys like uh, Darrell Williams, uh, Jamal Williams, uh, Wayne Gallman. Um, who else do we? Rojo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And CJ Procise and or Rashad Penny. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you'd have to consider it, right? Especially after the first three weeks here. I mean, Latavius Murray going into this season, you know, one of my hot takes at the beginning of the season was that he was going to score double digit touchdowns. Um, I just thought he would kind of, uh, you know, take over the Mark Ingram role in that offense. I was wrong. That was incorrect. Um, I mean, seven carries through three games. Um, and and really what they're doing with Alvin Kamara is, I mean, he's obviously getting the workload on, workload on the ground, but they're using the short passing game as a running game too. And Kamara's the guy for that. So, He's getting all of the running back work right now. Now, is there a chance Latavius Murray later in this season gets more involved if they're, you know, if Kamara's getting beat up or something like that? Yeah, there is. Uh, but right for right now, I mean, I, it's, I mean, the seven carries in three games. I, you know, I mean, what, what are we holding on to? Uh, again, we're chasing touchdowns there. You know, or is he going to get a goal line carry here and there and possibly get in? Probably not with Taysom Hill in the backfield, <laughs> too. Yeah. You know, so I, I think I think Murray at this point is droppable. Um, you know, same thing with Drake. I, I think you make some good points there just about the the Dolphins just suck. I mean, I, I don't I'm not trying to be rude to Dolphins fans. I, I feel for you. <laughs> uh, but this team is just is bad. They are just bad. And I'm not really counting on anybody in that offense to have fantasy value here this season. Um, so I think both of those guys are droppable. The other guy that came to mind for me and that we don't have on the show sheet, and this is probably going to shock you, John. Um, it's a Pittsburgh Steelers, James Connor. Um, droppable, huh? I, I, well, I don't, I mean, I don't know. I think at least there's a conversation to be had and I know that's going to piss off a lot of my Yinzer friends and that's okay. Um, I like doing that actually sometimes. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, I mean, I, you know, I love James Conner. I, I think, I think that he's, you know, he had a fantastic season last year. 
He's a remarkable story. All of that stuff. I don't. I, I think he's pretty talented. But f- this offense this season, they're just not running the ball. They're not running it well. P- they're not running it well. They're they're trying to run it. Um, but you know, I mean, against San Francisco, first of all, he faced eight man boxes hmm. on darn near every play. Um, you know, he fumbled a football at a critical point in the game uh, that that set up San Francisco's game winning touchdown um with about a minute to play so you know i i just i don't know i mean i i think i think the plan you know the fantasy community was oh jalen samuels is a threat benny snell is a threat they're gonna you know committee and all that i never believed that it was always james connor as the guy mike tomlin's history says so as well you know he he rides his running backs so and I think that was the plan going into the season. But James Conner hasn't been productive. So they may start working some of these other guys in. Benny, Smel- Benny Snell got a few carries uh, this past weekend. Um, you know, I, I, I they, they have to find the running game to help Mason Rudolph out a little bit. Um, and, and hopefully he'll get a little better and, and open some lanes, too, where they're not facing eight-man boxes. But Conner right now is frustrating for sure. Um, so I, I don't necessarily think he's, he's one kind of like digs for me. He, I think he deserves to be on this list to talk about him, uh, in, in this regard, but I also probably wouldn't cut him or drop him at this point, man. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I could do it. Um, the, so a nice matchup this week on Monday night, uh, at home against Cincinnati, they're the second worst uh, defense against running backs uh, for fantasy purposes. Um, then a tough one against Baltimore. That one's a combination of it's it's a good defense. They also can game script you. Uh, but from there, man, the run that they go on, it's uh, they get the the Chargers, the Dolphins, the Colts, the Rams, the Browns, the Bengals again, the Browns again, the Cardinals again, uh, the Bills, and then the New York Jets. That's the way he finishes the season. Not one of those is ranked uh is ranked in the top uh 20 among top top 23 in fact. Um they're all outside the the top 23 among uh no that's not totally true. <laughs> but they're 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 all they're all at, at best. These are average run stopping defenses. This is a nice schedule going forward for James Conner. But uh, so based on that, though, as a Steelers fan, who's who's the guy that we need? It, you know, if we need to start planning and we need to start uh, protecting our James Conner investments, is it Jalen Samuels or is it Benny Snell for you? It's Samuels for me. I mean, I like both. I like both of them um, as as players, but I it's it's Samuels for me. I, I think he's more versatile. Snell will get some carries inside the twenty on short yardage, those types of things. But I think the versatility that Samuels brings is makes him a more valuable fantasy asset. Okay, fair enough. So, I it it kind of sounds like James Conner could be a buy a buy low candidate uh Jalen Samuels probably is as well and you might even have to handcuff him even in a redraft league 
don't love doing that, but uh, seems like good business. But speaking of buy low targets, I've got another one for you. Carry on Johnson, who just had quietly had the most carries of his NFL career with 20. He didn't do much with it, uh, but I, I think that it we're starting to see a shift. Finally, we were expecting this all along from Daryl Bevel and Matt Patricia for the Detroit Lions to have a more run-heavy approach. Uh, their defense is definitely putting them in a position where they can run the ball and control the clock. I think you're going to start seeing a lot more of that from on Johnson. So he he's a guy that I'm buying low on. Um, and uh, just with the idea that the volume is about to take off, he does have he's, – he's got a nice schedule for the next few weeks with uh, Kansas City, Green Bay, and the New York Giants and uh, the Oakland Raiders um, with a, a somewhat tough one against Minnesota mixed in there, but um, and then the bye week, of course. Uh, so, and, I, and I think you're probably going to have to sell again um, after that Oakland game uh, where the, the schedule gets pretty tough down the playoff stretch, but um, – before that, I think that you're going to get good production from on Johnson, and I think we're going to start seeing a lot more volume. Uh, do you have a buy low guy for us? I do. Uh, my buy low is Devontae Adams. Uh, so Adams is coming off a very pedestrian uh, four-catch, 56-yard performance uh, this past week against the Denver Broncos. Um he did catch all four of his targets, but four targets in a game. Devontae Adams has not had four targets in a game uh, since 2016. So all of 2017 and all of 2018, uh, I, I think. So last year he had seven targets or more in every game. Uh, so, you know, I, I this is a guy that gets double digit targets in more than half the games he's played in the last two years. Um, and I, that's going to, it's going to happen again. I mean, uh, um, Aaron Rodgers came out and was saying about how they needed to get him the football more and four targets is just not enough and it's not good enough. So I think Devonte Adams bounces back in a big, big, big way. Um, if you're, you know, if you can capitalize on these first couple of weeks, I think you do it right now. Um, and, and then reap the benefits for the rest of the season. I have one that, uh, that I mentioned at the top of the show that I think is, is, uh, gonna, is gonna please you. Uh, Mason Rudolph, I think is a, is a guy that you can buy low and it's, and it's crazy because we were just last week talking about, you know, the lengths that we want to go to to acquire Mason Rudolph. It included an all in fab play. And I think that a lot of people did that and then saw this performance and probably didn't feel great about the investment they just made. I think you might be able to, you might be able to get Mason Rudolph uh, at a, at a discount now as people start to feel like they need to recover that fab budget that they gave up. But the reality is, so Mason Rudolph probably just faced the toughest pass rush that he's going to see all year. I, I mean, there's there's the potential that he sees something similar to it in Week Ten against the the LA Rams, um, and then he's got 
two matchups with the Cleveland Browns in two weeks. Those both of those teams can definitely generate a pass rush, but nothing, nobody's getting after the quarterback right now the way San Francisco is. This schedule lightens up a lot, including Cincinnati, Baltimore, and the Chargers before they go on by and then come back and take on Miami and Indianapolis, uh, which are dream matchups for a quarterback. So uh, better days are, are ahead for Mason Rudolph. And if their owner right now is uh, is panicking and, like I said, feeling like they need to to recover that fab, uh, I, I, I would still – I would go after Mason Rudolph just as aggressively now as I would have last week. And one other guy that I want to throw to you, that another one to make you happy, Saquon, Saquon Barkley. I almost gave him the nickname that put him on the, on the <laughs> But we don't have time to argue about that one. So Saquon Barkley, who, uh, I mean, he's, again, we're probably looking at an eight-week absence here as he deals with that injury. Uh, but as soon as I think that there's a good chance that he comes back to a team that's in the mix for the playoffs and, uh, and they're going to lean on him quite a bit when he does get back. So, um, I think that Saquon Barkley could be one of those, those league winner type of guys when he gets back. Um, so it's a, it's a decent schedule, uh, after the bye. um, some, some tough matchups, but, at that point, I don't think it's going to matter. I think Saquon Barkley is, by and large, matchup. The in uh, he's not dependent on matchup, and uh, I think that at that point in the season, especially, they're going to be ready to to let him carry them uh, as far as they can go. Yeah, that that was wonderful uh, because you knew I wouldn't argue. I mean, anytime, <laughs> anytime anyone says go get Saquon Barkley, uh, my my statement is agreed so yeah that's one by the way uh, you know in that in the trends and takeaways section i think we're going to end up talking more about the running back position but um so just to to foreshadow it a little bit that's that's kind of where i'm going with saquon barkley here and i there are a handful of players that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks who i also think fit into that same category uh have some some guys to sell um and I'm going to let you start with this one. Uh, just some guys that, that you're going to try and sell high on. Yeah. So first, I mean, this is going to take a qualifying statement right before I, before I start here. Uh, so the guy that I put on here is Daniel Jones. And for me, it's not because I don't like Daniel Jones or don't believe in Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones is probably going to be a pretty darn good quarterback in this league. Um, what he showed on Sunday was tremendously impressive and along the same lines that he showed us in the preseason. I mean, he was good. He's been, I mean, Danny died, right? I mean, he's been, <laughs> he's been on the money throwing the football, his leadership, uh, biggest comeback since 1949 or something. Did I read? Yeah. Something like that. So Eight, I mean, points down and he brought him back to win. Yeah, so I mean, you know, the, the the kid is is going to be pretty good based on this performance. Now, again, I know it's only one performance, um, you know, one game, but I like what I saw and I've liked what I've seen from him since the get go. So 
having said that, though, I think that there will be some people out there uh, who get overly excited about this game and ends up, you know, end up thinking that he's a top five to ten quarterback. And I think if you can move him for, you know, any quarterback in that range right now, I would probably do that. So I think that's that's what I'm thinking here. Um, you know, if you can find someone who thinks, hey, this kid's 21, 22 years old. He, you know, he just had an unbelievable game. He's with Saquon Barkley, and that offense is going to be good for a while with with those weapons. Evan Ingram, you know, um, you know, and and they're willing to pay Jared Goff or uh Kyler or I mean I don't I don't know it, it just if if they're anybody in that one to ten range right if they if they're thinking Daniel Jones is going to be that take advantage of that and 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 go get one of those guys it's a little bit more proven than this guy um could he be that yeah he could he could also be Mitch Trubisky or a lot worse you know I mean he could be he could end up being a not even a top 20 quarterback. We we just don't know at this point. So if the, someone's willing to pay you top 10 prices, go get that top 10 quarterback. Okay. Matchup in week four against Washington before he runs into Minnesota and then travels to new England. Both of those are going to be tough. So um, the, the cell window might be open for an extra week, but yeah, uh, that's, uh, that's probably where you want to move on. But again, that's, Strictly in redraft dynasty you're holding. Yeah, sure. Uh, here's a guy that I think um, you're now is the time to sell regardless redraft dynasty either way. Um, this is, I mean, I, I hate to pile on sometimes maybe not in this case, Jameis freaking Winston with his three touchdowns still through a bad interception, by the way, but other than beyond that, and up until that point, he had a clean game um, against a very bad new New York Giants defense. Uh, now's the time to sell Jameis Winston. I tweeted it out at halftime of that Tampa Bay game. To, now's the time to put Jameis Winston on the trade block because the it's it's the the matchups get rough from here, and Jameis Winston is just. I, I, I just, I don't trust the guy you're going to see this week when he goes to LA to play the Rams, you're going to see, we're going to see once again, what Jameis Winston actually is. So sell while you can, while you can sell on, on the, you know, you can use the selling point of the three touchdown game. And then the other guy for me is Matt Breda. So we already have a little bit of a mess in that San Francisco backfield. Uh, Raheem Mostert seems to be the pass catching back right at the moment. Matt Breda is kind of the early down guy. And then they get down to the goal line and here comes Jeffrey Wilson. So it's already this three headed monster. And Matt Breda is really the part of that. That's the, probably the least appealing. I mean, he, he, he's getting all his work outside of the, the 20 yard line. Uh, and on early downs, he's getting the carries while Raheem Mostert is getting the catches. So Raheem Mostert's a PPR guy. Jeffrey Wilson's a touchdown scorer. Matt Breda is getting you know a fair amount of carries, although he's mostly splitting them with Raheem Mostert as well. And now Tevin Coleman comes back. So 
the the workload is already you know there's there's not a lot of quality to it and now tevin coleman getting back into the mix only takes away carries from all of these guys probably with the possible exception of jeffrey wilson so i think now is the time to sell on matt breda uh, before his his workload is dwindled down to you know a, a handful of carries at you know starting at their own 20 yard line one last segment brian how about let's do some next week this week and once again for all our new listeners the goal here is to find some guys who are going to be high waiver priorities next week but you don't have to pay the the waiver prices because you stashed them this week for free so uh how about you start us off and give us a guy or two yeah, the the first guy uh, on my list, and again in dynasty leagues, this this guy will be owned uh, almost everywhere. But in in redraft leagues, I mean, Paris Campbell uh, for the Indianapolis Colts wide receiver is a guy that I I would look to target. Um, T. Y. Hilton had an amazing first half, but he reaggravated a quad injury um, in in the game on Sunday. So his status is kind of up in the air moving forward here. And I think if he does miss any time, I think Paris Campbell's a guy that you can really, uh, you know, that might step in and, and produce pretty well, especially for a rookie. So, um, I, you know, he would be a guy that I think I would target in that instance. Uh, you know, if he, he could, he could really moving forward here uh, in these next couple of weeks, kind of take off in that offense. Devin Funches is out uh, for an extended period of time with the collarbone. And, and then again, with TY being banged up a little bit here, um, Campbell could, could, see some increased work uh i'll give you alexander madison and we talked about dalvin cook uh at the top of the show um alexander madison also scored a, a rushing touchdown fairly long one i believe um against the raiders this week so the the workload that's being put on dalvin cook right now i don't believe is sustainable one of two things happens either you bump it down or you risk injury and I think that either way, it means a bigger workload for Alexander Madison. I, I, I think that that probably makes him startable. I mean, at the rate that they're running the ball for Minnesota right now, I think it makes Alexander Madison, you know, kind of a, a low end flex type play, kind of a RB4 type of guy uh, right now with Dalvin Cook healthy. And if Dalvin Cook goes down, all of a sudden Alexander Madison has RB1 upside. So go ahead and stash him now. Um, we're not necessarily going to plan for injury for Dalvin Cook, just an increase in volume for Alexander Madison. And if it does happen that uh, that Dalvin Cook does go down, um, all of a sudden you've got you it jackpot, baby. You got uh, one more for us? Yeah, so I'm going to leave the quarterback to you, my man. Uh the quarterback guru that you are. So uh, <laughs> I'll go with Dawson Knox here, the tight end uh, for the bills uh, who I'm not sure if you saw, but he uh, became a grown ass man this Sunday. Yeah. Um, reminiscent of Vance McDonald's stiff arm style. Uh, just a beast of a run uh, <laughs> in this game. Bulled over stiff armed one dude to the ground, ran over two other guys. I mean, just awesome. Um, and and he's a guy, you know, that he, he had some success in college at Ole Miss. Um, and I think in this Bills offense, he's a guy that 
Josh Allen trusts uh, and moving forward here, I think he's going to get a lot more opportunity. So um, he is a beast of a dude. Uh, and I think he's a guy again, moving forward, we'll, we'll get some more opportunity with Josh Allen uh, in that offense. Um, so I would be, uh, I would be not shocked to see him kind of take off here moving forward. Yeah. We're kind of fortunate with Dawson Knox uh, that he started his career with that injury um, so that we had a little bit of time to uh, to prepare uh, before he took over such a, a an important role in that offense. Uh, yeah, Will Greer, I think, is uh, one more guy that you can stash. Um, just I know that Kyle Allen looked great. It was a very bad defense for Arizona. Uh, that's one thing to keep in mind. But either way, what I think kind of is, is starting to play out here is we're seeing the beginning of a rebuild in Carolina. And I think at some point you, you probably want to see what you've got with Will Greer as well as with Kyle Allen. So I think that, you know, if we, if we do see Kyle Allen struggle at all, I think he's got a, a, a really pretty short leash despite the fact that he did play pretty well. Uh, they've got, They've got some decent matchups here the next few weeks. Um, it, Houston, Jacksonville, those those are probably tougher than what they've been so far um, before a cupcake against Tampa Bay. And then after a bye week, they've got that San Francisco pass rush again. Um, I if if at any point Kyle Allen struggles, I think that you might see a move to Will Greer just so that they can assess what they've got at the quarterback position right now as they start to plan for this rebuild, plan for the future that probably does not include Cam Newton in it and start to figure out, do we need to address the quarterback position in the draft or are we going to be okay with the guys that we've got? And I think that part of that process, if you do your due diligence in, uh, in that rebuilding process, it, it's it's going to include getting a good look at Will Greer. So I think that you're going to see Will Greer on the field at some point here in 2019. Uh, it, it it might be a little early to stash him, but um, I in a super flex league where waivers are just picked clean, I don't think there's anything wrong with getting out ahead of it. But that's going to do it for this week's episode, for this week's Superflex Standard Operating Procedures. Thank you all very much for listening, and don't forget... To send in your questions and your trade polls, uh, we've got the live show on Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, don't forget to check that out and uh, get your questions answered um, in uh, in real time. You, so you can either send us your your questions on Twitter at Superflex Show, or you can just show up and uh, join in the live chat during the show and ask your questions there. But. And, and don't forget to check out the rest of the episodes this week. We've got the our normal episode coming out tomorrow. And then, of course, the start sits on Friday and Saturday mornings. Um, so check out all the great episodes from the Superflex Super Show. Five days a week, five episodes a week. But for Brian Har, he's at Brian Har FF. I'm John Hogue at Superflex Dude. And until next week. I know.